part six of yellowstone national park six early pieces by various this librivox recording is in the public domain part six yellowstone national park part one on certain portions of our globe almighty god has set a special imprint of divinity the alps the pyrenees the mexican volcanoes the solemn grandeur of norwegian fjords the sacred mountain of japan and the sublimity of india's himalayas at different epochs in a life of travel have filled my soul with awe and admiration but since the summer of eighteen ninety six there has been ranked with these in my remembrance the country of the yellowstone two-thirds across this continent hidden away in the heart of the rocky mountains eight thousand feet above the level of the sea there lives a marvellous section of our earth about one-half as large as the state of connecticut on three sides this is guarded by lofty well-nigh inaccessible mountains as though the infinite himself would not allow mankind to rashly enter its sublime enclosure in this respect our government has wisely imitated the creator it has proclaimed to all the world the sanctity of this peculiar area it has received it as a gift from god and as his trustee holds it for the welfare of humanity we then as citizens of the united states are its possessors and its guardians it is our national park yet although easy of access most of us let the years go by without exploring it how little we realize what a treasure we possess is proven by the fact that until recently the majority of tourists here were foreigners i thought my previous store of memories was rich but to have added to it the recollection of the yellowstone will give a greater happiness to life while life shall last day after day yes hour after hour within the girdle of its snow-capped peaks i looked upon a constant series of stupendous sights a blending of the beautiful and terrible the strange and the sublime which were moreover so peculiar that they stand out distinct and different from those of every other portion of our earth to call our national park the switzerland of america would be absurd it is not switzerland it is not iceland it is not norway it is unique and the unique cannot be compared if i were asked to describe it in a dozen lines i should call it the arena of an enormous amphitheatre its architect was nature the gladiators that contended in it were volcanoes during unnumbered ages those gladiators struggled to surpass one another in destruction by pouring forth great floods of molten lava even now the force which animated them still shows itself in other forms but harmlessly much as a captive serpent hisses though its fangs are drawn but the volcanoes give no sign of life they are dead actors in a fearful tragedy performed here countless centuries before the advent of mankind with this entire region for a stage and for their only audience the sun and stars i shall never forget our entrance into this theatre of sublime phenomena the pullman car in which we had taken our places at st paul had carried us in safety more than a thousand miles and had left us at the gateway of the park before us was a portion of the road eight miles in length which leads the tourist to the mammoth springs hotel on one side an impetuous river shouted a welcome as we rode along 
above us rose grey desolate cliffs they are volcanic in their origin the brand of fire is on them all they are symbolic therefore of the entire park for fire and water are the two great forces here which have for ages struggled for supremacy no human being dwells upon those dreary crags but at one point as i looked up at them i saw poised statue-like above a mighty pinnacle of rock a solitary eagle pausing with outstretched wings above its nest it seemed to look disdainfully upon us human pygmies crawling far below living at such a height in voluntary isolation that king of birds appeared the very embodiment of strength and majesty call it a touch of superstition if you will yet i confess it thrilled me to the heart to find that here above the very entrance to the wonderland of our republic there should be stationed midway between earth and heaven like a watchful sentinel our national bird the bird of freedom at length a sudden turn revealed to us our first halting-place within the park the mammoth springs hotel the structure in itself looked mammoth as we approached it for its portico exceeds four hundred feet in length our first impressions were agreeable porters rushed forth and helped us to alight and on the broad piazza the manager received us cordially everything had the air of an established summer resort this i confess surprised me greatly as i had expected primitive accommodations and supposed that though the days of camping out had largely passed away the resting-places in the park were still so crude that one would be glad to leave them but i lingered here with pleasure long after all the wonders of the park had been beheld the furniture though simple is sufficient to satisfy our national nervousness the halls are so well stocked with rocking-chairs that european visitors look upon them with alarm and try to find some seats that promise a more stable equilibrium the sleeping-rooms are scrupulously clean soft blankets snow-white sheets and comfortable beds assure a good night's rest and the staff of coloured waiters in the dining-room steam-heat a bell-boy service and electric lights made us forget our distance from great cities and the haunts of men moreover what is true of this is true as well of the other hotels within the park and when i add that well-cooked food is served in all of them it will be seen that tourists need not fear a lengthy sojourn in these hostelries standing on the veranda of the mammoth hot springs hotel i saw between me and the range of mountains opposite a broad plateau on which were grouped a dozen neat and tasteful structures with the exception of the photographer's house in the foreground these constitute fort yellowstone a fort the visitor exclaims impossible these buildings are of wood not stone where are its turrets battlements and guns nevertheless this is a station for two companies of united states cavalry most of the houses being residences for the officers while in the rear are barracks for the soldiers no one who has visited the national park ever doubts the necessity of having soldiers there thus one of the most important duties of the united states troops stationed within its area is to save its splendid forests from destruction to do this calls for constant vigilance 
a fire started in the resinous pines which cover many of the mountain sides leaps forward with such fury that it would overtake a horseman fleeing for his life to guard against so serious a calamity soldiers patrol the park continually to see that all the campfires have been extinguished thanks to their watchful care only one notable conflagration has occurred here in the last eight years and that the soldiers fought with energy for twenty days till the last vestige of it was subdued the tourist comprehends the great importance of this work when he beholds the rivers of the park threading like avenues of silver the sombre framework of the trees and recollects that just such forests as adjoin these streams cover no less than eighty-four per cent of its entire area in a treeless country like wyoming these forests are of priceless value because of their utility in holding back in spring the melting snow some of the largest rivers of our continent are fed from the well-timbered area of the yellowstone and if the trees were destroyed the enormous snowfall in the park unsheltered from the sun would melt so rapidly that the swollen torrents would quickly wash away roads bridges and productive farms even far out in the adjacent country and subsequently cause a serious drought for many months another very important labor of the united states soldiers here is to preserve the game within the park it is the purpose of our government to make this area a place of refuge for those animals which man's insatiate greed has now almost destroyed the remoteness of this lofty region together with its mountain fastnesses deep forests and sequestered glens make it an almost perfect game preserve there are at present thirty thousand elk within the park its deer and antelopes are steadily increasing and bears foxes and small game roam unmolested here buffaloes however are still few in number they have become too valuable a buffalo head which formerly could be bought for a mere trifle commands to-day a price of five hundred dollars hence daring poachers sometimes run the risk of entering the park in winter and destroying them it is sad to reflect how the buffaloes of this continent have been almost exterminated as late as thirty years ago trains often had to halt upon the prairies and even steamboats were occasionally obliged to wait an hour or two in the missouri river until enormous herds of buffalo had crossed their path now only about two hundred of these animals are in existence the sole survivors of the millions that once thundered over the western plains and disputed with the indians the ownership of this great continent until very recently travellers on our prairies frequently beheld the melancholy sight of labourers gathering up the buffalo bones which lay upon the plains like wreckage floating on the sea hundreds of carloads of these skeletons were shipped to factories in the east now to protect the few remaining buffaloes as well as other animals our troops patrol the park even in winter the principal stations are connected by telephone and information given thus is promptly acted on no traveller is allowed to carry firearms and any one who attempts to destroy animal life is liable to a fine of one thousand dollars or imprisonment for two years or both still another task devolving upon the military governor of the park is the building and repairing of its roads 
no doubt the superintendent is doing all he can with the amount of money that the government allows him but there is room for great improvement in these thoroughfares if congress will but make a suitable appropriation for the purpose at present a part of the coaching route is of necessity travelled over twice this should be obviated by constructing one more road by which the tourist could be brought to several interesting features of the park that are now rarely seen every one knows how roads in europe climb the steepest grade in easy curves and are usually as smooth as a marble table free from obstacles and carefully walled in by parapets of stone why should not we possess such roads especially in our national park dust is at present a great drawback to the traveller's pleasure here but this could be prevented if the roads were thoroughly macadamized surely the honour of our government demands that this unique museum of marvels should be the pride and glory of the nation with highways equal to any in the world only a few hundred feet distant from the mammoth springs hotel stands a strange naturally moulded shaft of stone fifty-two feet in height from certain points its summit calls to mind the headdress of the revolution and hence its name is liberty cap it is a fitting monument to mark the entrance into wonderland for it is the cone of an old geyser long since dead within it is a tube of unknown depth through that ages since was hurled at intervals a stream of boiling water precisely as it comes from active geysers in the park to-day but now the hand of time has stilled its passionate pulsations and laid upon its stony lips the seal of silence at only a little distance from this eloquent reminder of the past i peered into a cavern hundreds of feet deep it was once the reservoir of a geyser an atmosphere of sulphur haunts it still no doubt this whole plateau is but the cover of extinguished fires for other similar caves pierce the locality on which the hotel stands a feeling of solemnity stole over me as i surveyed these dead or dying agents of volcanic power in the great battle of the elements which has been going on here for unnumbered centuries they doubtless took an active part but time has given them a mortal wound and now they are waiting patiently until their younger comrades farther up the park shall one by one like them grow cold and motionless not more than fifty feet from liberty cap rise the famous hot spring terraces they constitute a veritable mountain covering at least two hundred acres the whole of which has been for centuries growing slowly through the agency of hot water issuing from the boiling springs this as it cools leaves a mineral deposit spread out in delicate thin layers by the soft ripples of the heated flood strange is it not everywhere else the flow of water wears away the substance that it touches but here by its peculiar sediment it builds as surely as the coral insect moreover the colouring of these terraces is if possible even more marvellous than their creation for as the mineral water pulsates over them it forms a great variety of brilliant hues hot water therefore is to this material what blood is to the body with it the features glow with warmth and colour without it they are cold and ghost-like accordingly where water ripples over these gigantic steps towering one above another toward the sky they look like beautiful cascades of colour 
and when the liquid has deserted them they stand out like a staircase of carrara marble hence through the changing centuries they pass in slow succession from light to shade from brilliancy to pallor and from life to death this mineral water is not only a mysterious architect it is also an artist that no man can equal its magic touch has intermingled the finest shades of orange yellow purple red and brown sometimes in solid masses at other places diversified by slender threads like skeins of multicoloured silk yet in producing all these wonderful effects there is no violence no uproar the boiling water passes over the mounds it has produced with the low murmur of a sweet cascade its tiny wavelets touch the stonework like a sculptor's fingers moulding the yielding mass into exquisitely graceful forms the top of each of these coloured steps is a pool of boiling water each of these tiny lakes is radiant with lovely hues and is bordered by a coloured coping resembling a curb of jasper or of porphyry yet the thinnest knife-blade can be placed here on the dividing line between vitality and death the contrast is as sudden and complete as that between the desert and the valley of the nile where egypt's river ends its overflow the desert sands begin and on these terraces it is the same where the life-giving water fails the golden colours become ashen this terraced mountain therefore seemed to me like a colossal checkerboard upon whose coloured squares the two great forces life and death were playing their eternal game there is a pathos in this evanescent beauty what lies about us in one place so grey and ghostly was once as bright and beautiful as that which we perceive a hundred feet away but nothing here retains supremacy the glory of this century will be the gravestone of the next around our feet are sepulchres of vanished splendour it seems as if the architect were constantly dissatisfied no sooner has he finished one magnificent structure than he impatiently begins another leaving the first to crumble and decay each new production seems to him the finest but never reaching his ideal he speedily abandons it to perish from neglect it cannot be said of these terraces that distance lends enchantment to the view the nearer you come to them the more beautiful they appear they even bear the inspection of a magnifying glass for they are covered with a bead-like ornamentation worthy of the goldsmith's art in one place for example rise pulpits finer than those of pisa or siena their edges seem to be of purest jasper they are upheld by tapering shafts resembling richly decorated organ-pipes from paraffits of porphyry hang gold stalactites side by side with icicles of silver moreover all its marvellous fretwork is distinctly visible for the light film of water pulsates over it so delicately that it can no more hide the filigree beneath than a thin veil conceals a face it is a melancholy fact that were it not for united states troops these beautiful objects would be mutilated by relic hunters hence another duty of our soldiers is to watch the formations constantly lest tourists should break off specimens and ruin them forever 
and lest still more ignoble vandals whose fingers itch for notoriety should write upon these glorious works of nature their worthless names and those of the towns unfortunate enough to have produced them all possible measures are taken to prevent this vandalism thus every tourist entering the park must register his name most travellers do so as a matter of course at the hotels but even the arrivals of those who come here to camp must be duly recorded at the superintendent's office if a soldier sees a name or even initials written on the stone he telephones the fact to the military governor at once the lists are scanned for such a name if found the superintendent wires an order to have the man arrested and so careful is the search for all defacers that the offending party is usually found before he leaves the park then the superintendent like the mikado makes the punishment fit the crime a scrubbing brush and laundry soap are given to the desecrator and he is made to go back perhaps forty miles or more and with his own hands wash away the proofs of his disgraceful vanity not long ago a young man was arrested at six o'clock in the morning made to leave his bed and march without his breakfast several miles to prove that he could be as skilful with a brush as with a pencil after spending several days at the mammoth hot springs we started out to explore the greater marvels that awaited us in the interior the mode of travel through the park is a succession of coaching parties over a distance of one hundred and eighty miles the larger vehicles are drawn by six the smaller ones by four strong horses well fed well groomed high-spirited yet safe this feature of our national park astonished me i had formed no idea of its perfection or its magnitude here for example are vehicles enough to accommodate seven hundred tourists for a continuous journey of five days here too are five hundred horses all of which can be harnessed at twenty-four hours notice and since the park is so remote here also are the company's blacksmith and repair shops within the stables also are the beautifully varnished coaches varying in cost from one to two thousand dollars and made in concord new hampshire twenty five hundred miles away on one of these i read the number thirteen and a half why did you add the fraction i inquired of the manager of transportation because he replied some travellers would not take a number thirteen coach they feared a breakdown or a tumble into the river so i put on the half to take ill luck away i dwell at length upon these practical details because i have found that people in general do not know them most americans have little idea whether the driving distance in the park is ten miles or a hundred especially are they ignorant of the fact that they may leave the coaches at any point remain at a hotel as long as they desire and then resume their journey in other vehicles without the least additional expense for transportation precisely as one uses a stopover ticket on a railroad the fact that it is possible to go through the park in four or five days is not a reason why it is best to do so hundreds of tourists make the trip three times as rapidly as they would were they aware that they could remain comfortably for months when this is better known people will travel here more leisurely even now parents with little children sometimes leave them at the mammoth springs hotel in charge of nurses and receive messages by telephone every day to inform them how they are 
an important consideration also for invalids is the fact that two skilled surgeons attendant on the army are always easily accessible moreover the climate of the park in summer is delightful it is true the sun beats down at noonday fiercely the thin air offering scant resistance to its rays but in the shade one feels no heat at all light overcoats are needed when the sun goes down there is scarcely a night here through the year which passes without frost to me the pure dry air of that great height was more invigorating than any i had ever breathed save possibly that of norway and it is probably the tonic of the atmosphere that renders even the invalid and aged able to support long journeys in the park without exhaustion in all these years no tourist has been made ill here by fatigue a few miles after leaving the hot springs we reach the entrance to a picturesque ravine the tawny colour of whose rocks has given it the name of golden gate this is alike the entrance to and exit from the inner sanctuary of this land of marvels accordingly a solitary boulder detached from its companions on the cliff seems to be stationed at this portal like a sentinel to watch all tourists who come and go at all events it echoes to the voices of those who enter almost as eager as seekers after gold and a week later sees them return browned by the sun invigorated by the air and joyful in the acquisition of incomparable memories emerging from this golden gate i looked about me with surprise as the narrow walls of the ravine gave place to a plateau surrounded everywhere by snow-capped mountains from which the indians believed one could obtain a view of paradise across this area like a railroad traversing a prairie stretched the driveway for our carriages do tourists usually seem delighted with the park i asked our driver invariably he replied of course i cannot understand the words of the foreigners but their excited exclamations show their great enthusiasm i like the tourists he continued they are so grateful for any little favour one of them said to me the other day is the water here good to drink not always i replied you must be careful at once he pressed my hand pulled out a flask and said thank you while crossing the plateau we enjoyed an admirable view of the loftiest of the mountains which form around the park a rampart of protection its sharply pointed summit pierces the transparent air more than eleven thousand feet above the sea and it is well named electric peak since it appears to be a storage battery for all of the rocky mountains such are the mineral deposits on its sides that the best instruments of engineers are thrown into confusion and rendered useless while the lightning on this favourite home of electricity is said to be unparalleled presently a turn in the road revealed to us a dark-hued mountain rising almost perpendicularly from a lake marvellous to relate the material of which this mountain is composed is jet-black glass produced by volcanic fires the very road on which we drove between this and the lake also consists of glass too hard to break beneath the wheels the first explorers found this obsidian cliff almost impassable but when they ascertained of what it was composed they piled up timber at its base and set it on fire when the glass was hot they dashed upon the heated mass cold water which broke it into fragments 
then with huge levers picks and shovels they pushed and pried the shining pieces down into the lake and opened thus a wagon road a thousand feet in length the region of the yellowstone was to most indian tribes a place of horror they trembled at the awful sights they here beheld but the obsidian cliff was precious to them all its substance was as hard as flint and hence well suited for their arrowheads this mountain of volcanic glass was therefore the great indian armory and as such it was neutral ground hither all hostile tribes might come for implements of war and then depart unharmed while they were here a sacred intertribal oath protected them an hour later those very warriors might meet in deadly combat and turn against each other's breasts the weapons taken from that laboratory of an unknown power can we wonder that in former times when all this region was still unexplored and its majestic streams rolled nameless through a trackless wilderness the statements of the few brave men who ventured into this enclosure were disbelieved by all who heard them one old trapper became so angry when his stories of the place were doubted that he deliberately revenged himself by inventing tales of which munchausen would have been proud thus he declared that one day when he was hunting here he saw a bear he fired at it but without result the animal did not even notice him he fired again yet the big bear kept on grazing the hunter in astonishment then ran forward but suddenly dashed against a solid mountain made of glass through that he said he had been looking at the animal unspeakably amazed he finally walked around the mountain and was just taking aim again when he discovered that the glass had acted like a telescope and that the bear was twenty-five miles away not far from the volcanic cliff which gave the trapper inspiration for his story we reached one of the most famous basins of the park in briefest terms these basins are the spots in the arena where the crust is thinnest they are the trap-doors in a volcanic stage through which the fiery actors in the tragedy of nature which is here enacted come upon the scene literally they are the vents through which the steam and boiling water can escape in doing so however the water as at the mammoth springs leaves a sediment of pure white lime or silica hence from a distance these basins look like desolate expanses of white sand beside them always flows a river which carries off the boiling water to the outer world no illustration can do justice to what is called the norris basin but it is horrible enough to test the strongest nerves having full confidence in our guide the park photographer we ventured with him outside the usual track of tourists and went where all the money of the rothschilds would not have tempted us to go alone the crust beneath our feet was hot and often quivered as we walked a single misstep to the right or left would have been followed by appalling consequences thus a careless soldier only a few days before had broken through and was then lying in the hospital with both legs badly scalded around us were a hundred vats of water boiling furiously the air was heavy with the fumes of sulphur and the whole expanse was seamed with cracks and honeycombed with holes from which a noxious vapour crept out to pollute the air i thought of dante's walk through hell and called to mind the burning lake which he describes from which the wretched sufferers vainly sought to free themselves 
leaving at last this roof of the infernal regions just as we again stood apparently on solid ground a fierce explosion close beside us caused us to start and run for twenty feet our guide laughed heartily come back he said don't be afraid it is only a baby geyser five years old in fact in eighteen ninety one a sudden outburst of volcanic fury made an opening here through which at intervals of thirty minutes day and night hot water now leaps forth in wild confusion this then is a geyser i exclaimed bah said the guide contemptuously if you had seen the real geysers in the upper basin you would not look at this meantime for half an hour we had been hearing more and more distinctly a dull persistent roar like the escape of steam from a transatlantic liner at last we reached the cause it is a mass of steam which rushes from an opening in the ground summer and winter year by year in one unbroken volume the rock around it is as black as jet hence it is called the black growler think of the awful power confined beneath the surface here when this one angry voice can be distinctly heard four miles away choke up that aperture and what a terrible convulsion would ensue as the accumulated steam burst its prison walls it is a sight which makes one long to lift the cover from this monstrous cauldron learn the cause of its stupendous heat and trace the complicated and mysterious aqueducts through which the steam and water make their way returning from the black growler we halted at a lunch station the manager of which is larry all visitors to the park remember larry he has a different welcome for each guest good day professor come in my lord the top of the morning to you doctor these phrases flow as lightly from his tongue as water from a geyser his station is a mere tent but he will say with most amusing seriousness gentlemen walk one flight up and turn to the right ladies come this way and take the elevator now then luncheon is ready each guest take one seat and as much food as he can get where did you come from larry i asked from brooklyn sir was his reply but i'll never go back there for all my friends have been killed by the trolley cars larry is very democratic the other day a guest on sitting down to lunch took too much room upon the bench please move along sir said larry the stranger glared at him i am a count he remarked at last well sir said larry here you only count one hush exclaimed a member of the gentleman's suite that is count Shololoff. i'll forgive him that said larry if he won't shuffle off his seat pointing to my companion larry asked me what is that gentleman's business he is a teacher of singing i answered faith said larry i'd like to have him try my voice there's something very strange about my vocal cords whenever i sing the black growler stops one tourist told me it was a case of professional jealousy and said the black growler was envious of my forte tones i have not forty tones i said i've only one tone well says he make a note of it only once in his life has larry been put to silence two years ago a gentleman remarked to him well larry good-bye come and visit me next winter in the east in my house you shall have a nice room and if you are ill still enjoy a doctor's services free of all expense thank you said larry please give me your card the tourist handed it to him and larry with astonishment and horror read beneath the gentleman's name these words 
superintendent of the insane asylum utica new york some hours after leaving larry's lunch station we reached another area of volcanic action our nerves were steadier now the close proximity to hades was less evident yet here hot mineral water had spread broadcast innumerable little mounds of silica which look so much like biscuits grouped in a colossal pan that this is called the biscuit basin but they are not the kind that mother used to make if a tourist asked for bread here he would receive a stone since all these so-called biscuits are as hard as flint we walked upon their crusts with perfect safety yet in so doing our boots grew warm beneath our feet for the water in this miniature archipelago is heated to the boiling point show me a geyser i at last exclaimed impatiently i want to see a genuine geyser accordingly our guide conducted us to what he announced as the fountain i looked around me with surprise i saw no fountain but merely a pool of boiling water from which the light breeze bore away a thin transparent cloud of steam it is true around this was a pavement as delicately fashioned as any piece of coral ever taken from the sea nevertheless while i admired that i could not understand why this comparatively tranquil pool was called a geyser and frankly said i was disappointed but even as i spoke i saw to my astonishment the boiling water in this reservoir sink and disappear from view where has it gone i inquired eagerly stand back shouted the guide she's coming i ran back a few steps then turned and caught my breath for at that very instant up from the pool which i had just beheld so beautiful and tranquil there rose in one great outburst of sublimity such a stupendous mass of water as i had never imagined possible in a vertical form i knew that it was boiling and that a deluge of those scalding drops would probably mean death but i was powerless to move amazement and delight enchained me spellbound talk of a fountain this was a cloudburst of the rarest jewels which till that moment had been held in solution in a subterranean cavern but which had suddenly crystallized into a million radiant forms on thus emerging into light and air the sun was shining through the glittering mass and myriads of diamonds moonstones pearls and opals mingled in splendid rivalry two hundred feet above our heads End of part six.